welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets show. Skylar Hoke here. Tom Jacobs, how we doing? You always just do the uh, the thing that the No Lane Up guys do and just call it Dude Perfect Tour, and you can't forget what it's called. Um, I'm good. It's good. It's a uh, bit of a tough week in terms of uh, our bets, right? Um, you know, it didn't, didn't quite work out the way we wanted to, especially with... Uh, on the other side of the pond with uh, Willie Z, but uh, you know that's what you get for jumping off a loot list one week too early. Um, yeah, all good. It's uh, I, I thought Westwood was going to do it for us. He, he looks in good shape, right? Um, lost what was it nine shots at one hole? Um, what do you do with yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, waking up Saturday morning. Yep, Saturday morning. You know, seeing him go out and get on eighteen. Literally, like the first hole, I saw him. He was on eighteen. Like, okay, you know, you get in the clubhouse here, double digits. You know, maybe we, we set ourselves up and as bad as it could have went, it did. And then it even went even worse. Uh, that was the frustrating thing is he, he was at 10 under, right? And that would have been good enough to be in contention yesterday. Like yep. 11 oh, under one. Like that is, that is the most, and, and I would have trusted him like implicitly, like if he'd have been in that situation yesterday. Like mm-hmm. Rory was faltering. Like Bland had to do a great job skidding. Hovland done a great job skidding. So you know Westwood could have done his bit. Um, so it's more the frustration more than anything. But uh, you know it was a losing bet after all. That's, uh, yeah, the, the gut, the real gut punch though uh, is Zaltoris not winning on that man. Yeah, oh, gosh. feel so bad for him. You know, I just it, want it, want it so bad. And I think the worst thing is, is that, like everyone's going to view it as like. Okay, he missed the putt. And it was like, well, you know, he hold the ones that everyone expects him to miss all day. Like, it was just, I don't think that's a gimme, right? Especially on Piano Grass, especially that time of day. Like, it was a pretty difficult, well, not a difficult putt, but it was easy to miss and just missed it. And then Luke List had to absolutely pepper it at, you know, the playoff hole to win. So I would say that List won it more than, than Zelazoros lost it, right? Um, yeah. So credit to Luke List. 100%. 100%. So um, we'll have kind of a double dip today on our preview. Um, of course, sticking with our, our first faithful love of the DP World Tour. I'm going to go through our event that we have here. But of course, um, the Asian Tour now taking over the, the Saudi event this week that sees the strongest appeal of, of any golf teeing up uh, across the world this week. So we're going to go into um, our selection of the DP World Tour. And then we will go into kind of high level of both. Um, I think, you know, our normal times, but just really dig in as we have a weaker field on the DP World Tour. But we'd like to take a little time, of course, um, for all our subscribers or supporters out there. If you can be our subscribers, feel free, click like um, um, beneath our YouTube video. If you want uh, any of the audio only formats, you can find us at Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, the mix. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. It goes a really long way to us at Mayo Media Network. Tom, did you see Pat's tweet today of that studio? That they got working yeah, it's crazy, it's right? It looks, man. it looks slightly better than this little background we've got going here. So <laughs> maybe I'll uh, I'll have to get my uh, Canadian uh, visa and, and come and work out there. There we go. Yeah, I think a work trip is needed up there to visit the studio for our gang. But um, yeah, without further ado, we can dive into the new event. I guess one of the new events um, on the DP World Tour, the Ross Al Kameen Championship uh, presented by Phoenix Capital. We're seeing that at El Hamra golf course actually the next two events are going to be played here um 
Porsche hasn't been seen in a handful of years outside, I guess, what still was a handful of years ago when the Challenge Tour had um, three straight events or three straight years of events on there concluded, I think, at 18 with their Challenge Tour final with the one and only Audrey Arnas being the last winner at this course. We've seen Jordan Smith win here. We've seen Romain Langoske, you know, play quite well. Sean Crocker, Bob McIntyre, um, you know, a lot of guys that, at the top of the field actually do have a little bit of familiarity with this golf course. We're not going to really go player by player. Like we've done in some of the other previews, it's Monday afternoon. DraftKings prices is not out. Odds were a little slower than usual this morning, but Tom, from the top of the board, who stands out to you? So to me, like I think anyone that's been listening to kind of the show regularly is knows how bullish. I think probably both of us are on Adrian Moronk, right? But certainly I've been, you know, quite vocal about it and, and he was second here uh, when it was a Challenge Tour event to Jens Dantop, who actually eagled the first playoff hole to, to beat Adrian Ronk there. And it's, it's interesting because you never quite know, like Dantop had won at that level before or had won twice at that level. I think that might be his first. But, uh, you know, you never know quite how Ronk would have reacted if he'd won that event and, you know, how they'd have kicked on. So it would have been interesting to see because, you know, that, that could have changed things. But he didn't. And I think, you know, whilst it's been... A slow grind to this level like he's he's really impressive like he you know he just keeps staying in the hunt right and and that's what you want and it was i think it's three top eight finishes in the last nine starts now um for adrian moronk fourth last week and when people were sort of going away over the weekend he he kind of came to the fore and i thought that was pretty impressive like fourth last week he's ranked eighth in strokes game approach 16th from tee screen we know he's kind of like a big hitter you know, they, they like to remind you of that on the broadcast. You know, very tall, doesn't look like a golfer. Um, but he is one, and he's a very good one. And I think that he's going to return to a golf course where he's obviously got familiarity with. I, I don't know if he'll maybe set it up a little bit differently this week. Um, but it's a bit of an edge, right? You know, like off the top of the board, I think having the guy that has played here and, and got good uh, good memories of it should uh, should go well. Yeah, the, the issue I have is I think there's a handful of golfers that you could make that similar argument yeah. for. I, I do like the, the short-term form that Morocco's in. Uh, I love what Jordan Smith displayed last week. Great ball striking a winner at this course. Uh, you know, I like to see um, what Langosk has, has done recently. You know, he's been really good off the tee. He, I think he has multiple top six finishes at this event. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just, I can make that similar argument. And in this weaker field, I mean, Burned is the favorite at 11 to one, uh, Burn played quite well last week. Um, but I just, I'm going to, you'll see on the Saudi cards, I made a little bit more selections near the top of the leaderboard felt this event, uh, set up a little bit better for, for long shots for me. Um, so I'm passing overall, not, not because I don't think many of these guys will play well, cause I, I absolutely believe they will but it's just more harder for me to plant a little flag. I, I take more kind of focus deeper into the odds board. Uh, one golfer, I, I, it's weird to see the price, but I also think the price in some sense could have been much lower. It's Ryder Cup captain, Padre Harrington. Yeah. Is there going to be pushback betting him at 60 to one you know our friend martin probably will give us a little bit on twitter um but martin does that from a time or two on a, quite a few selections that's why we love him yeah but, he could um, be like 500 to one he'd say the same thing <laughs> so it doesn't really matter so harrington has just been so consistent like oddly 
just top 20s everywhere he, he's showing up, you know. And when I looked at, or, or not even, I think Ben Coley wrote this well in, in his piece and, and why he's on Langoske, it, it's just the guys that did play well here are great drivers of the golf ball. And Harrington's sneaky just been so good off the tee for, you know, a decent amount of time now. I think there's just enough in there and enough of these good finishes that I could have seen him being 33 to, to 40. Not saying that's a correct market price, but based on some of the form with the other golfers, I think that argument exists for Patrick Harrington and he's doubled the price at them. So that is where I am going with my first selection. You'd have taken Padraig Harrington's name out and just looked statistically and form and everything like that, right? He would be priced with the likes of J.B. Hansen and Thomas Dietrich, Alexander Bjork down there. So I can see the point. I can also see why people wouldn't want to bet him uh, a 60-1 to given, you know, his, his advancing years, right? But it's one of those events where I don't think you need to be afraid to take him either. I'm just going to use my classic line of I'll just wait until he's a bigger price because if, if, if this is to stay for the season now the Ryder Cup's out of his way and, and, and it's long term, we're going to see him at 150 to 1 in, a, in an event where he could just as likely win. I don't think he's done winning, right? Like, I think he's capable of winning. I think he can still get over the line. Um, so I don't feel the needs goes from here, but I do see the appeal. But I think it's a good point you said about Moronk in the sense that like all of those guys can kind of do the same thing. I think the reason I kind of went with Moronk is like I feel like he is advancing and he's going forward and progressing and he looks like he's ready to win. Whereas I think the guys like Jordan Smith have kind of proven to us what he's like. Um, you know, yes, he hasn't he's obviously won this golf course and he's got that experience, but it worries me at this level, even though it's a slightly weaker event. Like, how is he going to cope with going up against Bert Viesberg on a Sunday? Oh. I think Moronk is better suited to that, possibly. Um, less scar tissue, especially with a passer. But my my next selection, which is completely against the grain for me, is Marcus Armitage. Um, he's just striking the ball so well. And like when I looked at the current form, it's actually just better than I remember. Like I just don't remember him being 12th last week, 16th at the DP World Tour, 19th at the Dubai Championship. So all of those just kind of local to Middle East. Sixth in approach last week, 18th tee to green. Like, I don't really need to see anything else from Marcus Armitage. Like, he had that good run during the like, kind of the first return to golf after the pandemic. And I think we kind of get back into those fields again now where, like, he could come to the fore a bit. Whereas, like, I think he gets lost in that kind of divide as a classic Abu Dhabi type thing where it was, what he's done over the last couple of weeks is good. Whereas I think now he can actually go into contention. I mean, I love Rudy for Marcus Armitage. He's one of the, the best golfers out there <clears throat> from an attitude, from just the, the way he plays. I, I really, really like him. Um, we agree on a selection right in this same range as well. I think we, we got two rounds out of the golfers we were so excited for the South African swing. You know, all these challenge tour graduates that are mega talented. You know, they're, they're popping up left and right onto the, the DP World Tour for starts. And, you know, they are pushing, you know, they're placing, they are making a run at things. We've seen it over and over again. So in a weak field to start off their season, basically start off their year for a lot of them, I think it's right for the taking um, in this opportunity. And the prices, again, not that they are cor incorrect, they're, they just haven't had enough sample size to really figure out what they're going to do. So do you take the risk early? I think that's where I like 
uh, you know, the opportunity. And the first one, he did play at, at the Abu Dhabi, sneaky 25th place finish. But probably the class of the graduates was Julian Brunt. Um, you know, just uh, 29 years old, you know, been around a little bit longer maybe than some of the other guys. Uh, but but Brunt came out there, played quite well, Abu, Abu Dhabi. I think the 25th place finish was actually a little bit misguided as he was, he was third after 36, 10. so yeah. he, he was in third place, and he just had that terrible Saturday, right, that, that a lot of other guys did as well. Yeah, so I think he fought through that win well. I mean, Joburg, he he was inside the top 12, I think, after his two rounds, he finished 12th there. I mean, he, he didn't graduate with the same, you know, season that some of the other guys might have, just because people can rip off top five in the challenge short, like no other, but, you know, multiple wins, just really consistent overall. I think 60s is shorter than I hoped, but not short enough that I'm not going to back him because I feel like he, you know, was he's just better than than a lot of guys around him. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of like my last one in. Um, there was a couple of people that I was kind of looking at, and I couldn't quite decide. I mean, you know, there was kind of like Ryan Fox. I actually preferred if he was going to be over in Saudi. I did consider JB Hansen because he's hit the ball well, played well here in the past, and the first showing I saw of him was 25 to one. So I kind of avoided him when he came to 35, which is what kind of made me look a bit further down the board. Um, and that's when I came to Brun, right? Like, I think that he is just, like you said, I think he's like that seasoned version of the Challenge Tour graduates. Same with uh, Ricardo Gouvier. Like, they've been there, done it, and they've, just, they've improved and now coming back for seconds, if you like. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's a good time to take Brun on um, because I don't think he's going to be this kind of price for, for long. Yep, 100%. Um, so big fan on him. And then after that, for me, um, I'm taking shots deep down the board as we go. Um, I think you could have made an argument for uh, a handful of others around here. I think DraftKings will probably be smaller contests overall this week, um, yeah. sadly, but they won't be offering Saudi either. So um, I think, you know, we're pretty much just going to have to focus on there, but I mean, you know, you see the likes of, you know, you got Hao Tong who bounced back a little bit there. You know, Eduardo Molinar, Callum Shinkwin, another great driver of the golf ball kind of in here. Danny Willett, 60 to 1, um, who's, you know, maybe has the, the most pedigree in there. You know, people feel like they've forgotten about Rosner, Hoygaard brothers. Like there, there is, you know, right around there, but I'm just much more willing to just back it up into to the hundreds and, and really get deeper with other challenge tour or not, not everyone's challenge tour. Let, let's go. Who, who are you on next? Your guy fits in that mold. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there was, there was a couple of guys, a couple of guys you mentioned there that I thought was interesting. Like Eduardo Molinari was someone that I, that yes. I did think about, um, did worry me as he always does with the passer, right? And, and I think yep. I've just been there too many times to, to put myself through it again. I've already had two stressful weeks, don't need another one. Uh, Scott Jameson I thought was a decent price at 70 to 1 you know the way he's been playing and Brandon Stone as well hit the ball really nicely last week out of pretty much nowhere um, so I like that and then I just I was kind of speaking to Brad about this on, on Twitter earlier you've got kind of like Hella Kilda and one of your guys you're going to come on to so I'll let you talk about him um, but just that Nicola uh, Muller and people like that just just guys that are just ready to take this step up and, and kick on. Even Gouvier, there are 150s. I think there's just a lot of uh, upside in those. But I did land on uh, Frederick Lacroix. Like, I think his has just been so consistent. Like You you liked him a lot last year. 
um, finish, you know, with a blaze, really, you know, 28th, 5th, 2nd, 5th, uh, his last finishes before Christmas. Shot a 70 opening round at Abu Dhabi, which is fine, and then a second round 80. And I just I just think I'm going to forgive him that. Like, I think there's just some testing conditions there, tough golf course. I just want to see what he does again. Like, if he's this price in this field and he goes well, you're probably, I think, I would kick myself if I didn't take him because, you know, he could, he's got the potential to be half that price. Yeah, yeah, I really like the kid. Um, shot a hundred round two uh, of that Abu Dhabi event after he was in the mix after after the first round, but the wind literally blew him away. Um, but yeah, I liked him that first event um, that we got in South Africa. Uh, yeah, I absolutely think he's got talent there. The one that I I went with if we're staying on this mold, um, I went with Yannick Paul. Yeah. Yannick, um, you Which know, I'm glad you did. We, we know him best, at, at least in, in my area, from the Outlaw Tour excellence that he displayed. Uh, him and his brother both um, were elite out there uh, on the Outlaw Tour and, you know, rolled that over into an excellent season uh, on the Challenge Tour. Um, again, we don't know enough about these golfers from a stroke scheme perspective to really understand where their best attributes are you know he was really good ball striking in those couple events that we saw or the couple rounds that we had saw um in that first event um but his challenge short season was just you know top 10 after top 10 after top 10 uh didn't have a victory on the schedule so potentially that is why we get a little bit deeper uh versus some of the other guys so 125 to 1 i think there's enough juice in top five graduate probably um, yeah i think there so yeah um, i like yannick yeah no i think he's great i think uh, you know as i said to you earlier i think i'm quite glad you went with him because he was one that he was just in that group of guys right that i just think that all of them you can kind of just fire them off early um find out what they are and if, if, if after a few events they haven't done it then you you know you reevaluate. but as far as we know that they're in full of confidence they're in good form and they're all capable of this of playing this level so until we prove otherwise we uh we just let it go yeah we take the shot at the odds that, that are given to us here um i i'll group these next two together and i'll let you carry out uh the final pick that we both have um but when you get into this range again it's golfers that you might just not rely on the statistics for you know that you kind of know what they are, what they are at their best, and, and when they've came through. And, and the first one that really jumped off the page to me was getting Daniel Van Tonder at 110 to 1. You know, one of my good buddies, Chris, sent, sent me a text this morning, Ferreter, and he was just like, you know, getting DVT in this field at triple digits. Okay. You know, it's just, it's just something that, you know, I mean, he leads a PGA Championship in Tita Green. He wins on the, on the European Tour last year. He wins all the time in South Africa. You know, he just has that extra pedal to the metal in him that maybe others in this range were just not confident to have that. Um, so, I, and he's great off the tee. You know, I think, again, if we bring it back to the drivers, he's somebody that I just trust is really, really good off the tee. Which um, so is bizarre he, because he has the worst looking golf swing yeah. in the entire world, right? Like, he just sends it so far one way to hook it back it's like just learn how to hit it straight you don't need to hit these slinging draws every single time like, i am i'm not a golf coach i'm terrible at golf but that cannot be good like one day 
that is just gonna just go right and stay right and and it scares me but like you say the upside uh when daniel von tonder in in this field is uh is different level to maybe some of the people in his price range 100 percent. and i i won't you know can give a, a monologue here as we go to the next selection <laughs> which is i think the same exact argument uh for guido migliazzi right around in this range um first four rounds of the year ha- haven't been great I, I won't lie to you they have not been good um you know, he gets a feature group. Yeah, just, just. But the the number here, if we're just going to rewrite things. We've seen guys come come back from from absolutely zero form to do it. He's he's done it before. So of course, going to let myself do that. How close um, are you to it. not betting him? Oh, I'm not even close. <laughs> <laughs> we got a long, long year. You don't you, you don't wake up and just go. It's like a drug. Like you, yeah, it's just easy. Like. Mm-hmm. You don't even think about maybe I shouldn't this week. Like No, I'm not there. <laughs> not there at all. There was another trio of golfers that I did have interest in. That'll be probably where I end up being uh, pretty exposed on DraftKings. Christopher Broberg, I think, is a great play. He's shown off a ton of ball striking, which is odd because he was a putter, you know, winning him and placing him so well for a time. So Broberg, decent price. Um I really, really wanted to bet Richard Mansell. And I had to just think about, you know, he's been off for a good amount of time. Off the tee, though, he, he arguably could be the best golfer off the tee in this field. And that one would have hurt if Mansell was to win. But then I, I think about it, how many times we bet him and he's in the top 10 after two rounds and then he's not sniffing it by Sunday morning. I think I bet Richard Mansell at 40 to 1 once, right? I think I'm I sure think we I have. have. I think that happened yeah. and I probably won't ever forgive myself. But the, the, again, like I saw him absolutely crunch the ball off the tee uh, at Royal St. George. Like he was just phenomenal. Like you watch him and he's like one of the most impressive people to watch off the tee. So it's there. It's just piecing it all together, right? Yep, 100%. And then the last one for me, um, it has to be Andrea Pavan. I mean, two weeks in a row, man. Just he, written down here. Decent. Yeah, I, I wanted to do – he was – so if anyone saw my DraftKings lineups last week, I apologize, okay? Because <laughs> going through a few things, late at night was building. I didn't set a minimum salary, and for some reason I had lineups that were just like all guys in six games. So I had a good clip of Andrea Pavon, maybe 20%. I think the field was less than less than half, of half a percent, not less than half of what I had, like 0.5%. <laughs> so that might have been all me. So I was feeling great after 18 holes, man. Uh, he's close to being back. I'm a little worried if this course does demand off the tee, he's still not there as, you know, off the tee. But, yeah, I think 130 to 1, I, I, I'm rooting for him. So there was two lines of thinking, right? Is that he actually did marginally gain off the tee, and yeah, it was marginal. Was like he, yeah. he was the last person in to gain strokes on the tee, and it was like point zero zero three. So he he wasn't a real gainer, like. But when we always talk about, and and you can't really apply the same thing. We always talk about bad putters kind of getting to zero at putting, and and just right, and and him just getting to that baseline of off the tee isn't going to win him a tournament, but. It's going to keep him in them. And that's what we've seen over the past couple of weeks, right? He's, he's actually got there and stayed there. And even when you think he's going to go away, he makes a couple of birdies. He's played here twice, finished 19th his last start here. Um, yeah. I wrote question marks next to him, and that, and that was where I got to, because 
I want to do it. And I do think, I don't know if he's back because back to him is winning, right? He's done it multiple times, but I think he's in for a steady season. I think he's capable of stringing together some top 20s. Yeah, I'm hoping for it, man. I'd really like it uh, for him. I think beyond that, um, you know, you see our guy Jackson Grar still really long odds as he yeah. hikes his way back. Um, I know Brad is on Connor Seam at 200. Feels, you know, decently long from who he's surrounded by. You see, you know, Sebastian Soderberg is deep. I'm a I'm a fan of Angel Hildago. Um, I think is, is he's like 150 to one. I think he showed up uh, quite a bit in that South Africa event, um, but. There's one standout long shot that we're both both in on. And I believe it was, what, 400 to one? Yeah. yeah. So sell the world on Tom McKibben. So before I sell the world on Tom McKibben, I'm just going to say one thing on Ollie Wilson. I think it's a, I think it's just a, I tend to follow what he's doing because he's been on the podcast and it's good to talk to. And he, and he, but he has just been dialed on Instagram, like workouts, uh, you know, golf exercises, improvements. So just constant all over the winter break, just updating us all with his game plan. I don't think people go to that kind of level of like engagement and showing everyone what they're doing if they're going to play crap. And I know that sounds like a really poor approach, but I think to me, if I'm if I'm awful at golf, no one sees what I'm doing. If I think something good's coming, I'm going to start posting it every single day. And he has not stopped talking about his golf. So for me, I just thought he was someone that was maybe worth looking at from maybe a DraftKings or a top 10 or 20 because he was 22nd here at the Challenge Tour final. Tom McKibben, right? So we we were on Tom McKibben last year. I think it was, I'd like to say it was the RSPS hander, but I think it was actually the hero where he missed the cut. Um, and... It was basically just some potential, right? He's so young, like, kind of, it was 2002 he was born in. So he's 20 years old. And he actually won his first professional tour, professional win um, in a minor tour event in the US. Um, local to you, right? In a, in a minor league golf tour? Um, yeah, ML, the MLGT, minor league golf tour major. They have four yeah. majors a year. I mean, that's, that's one of their bigger events. Uh, I think he shot 66, 62. Um, yep. to win and that was recently that was like three weeks ago they kicked Correct. off the, the event with that so yes um, yeah that, that was the, big for tom and to me like that's huge like not because the result has any correlation to, to success on the european tour or dp world tour right but just getting your first one as a professional he's still 19 he hasn't actually turned 20 yet one ten thousand dollars like that keeps him going traveling whatever i'm sure he's got plenty of sponsors because there are no young years of potential but he can now just come here and just go right i've, I've actually won a tournament like there's a difference between winning tournaments as an amateur and we've seen it with some really high class amateurs have just won tournaments and then just done nothing and, and and it's hard it's really hard so if you can go and win at any level like you see it all the time like even on the pga tour we see people come from like latino america and mckenzie tour or formie tour whatever it's called now and and then to Corn Ferry, and they work their way up. Like he's gonna do that. And I think, you know, we sort of like Dale Whitnell played well in Florida over over the Christmas break, and then played well when he first came out. And I just think that McKibben could 
ride the wave. I think it was back in, was it like 11th of January this happened that he got this win? Um, pretty sure he's from the same golf club as Roy McIlroy was back in the day. Uh, Hollywood, Hollywood. Um, so yeah, that's about all I've got on him. There's nothing strokes gain. There's nothing. It's just more of a confidence thing of someone with high potential uh, winning uh, his first event. Yep. No, completely agree. And he had like a like phenom type of like early like junior type of events when he was uh, kind of going like the big golf channel like article I pulled up that Romai wrote that you know called him a 17 year old product like you know big time he he chose not to go to the university of florida yeah. um, and, and pursue uh, you know a professional route so yeah i think getting that win on the minor league golf tour and, and being able and to everyone has and an opinion and everyone has yeah. an opinion right on people not going to college now because it's just like the done sorry to cut you off there but like akshay batia just backed himself didn't he like 17 18 and i don't know that he's quite as good as akshay batia like there's no way of knowing that yet but like you say, the way he's being spoken about, the circles that he's in, the people that he can lean on, suggests that he has that quality. And when you look at what he did in limited starts on the Challenge Tour and European Tour last year, it was fine, like 34, 26, 39, 49. He was 18 years old. Like, I think that's pretty impressive. And that last one in the British Challenge, he opened up with a 74 and it just bounced power of three other par rounds. So I like the fight he's got in him, and I think he could, could go well in a small event. So excited for him. So that puts a bow on our DP World Tour. Uh, we'll wrap the picks one more time at the end of the show. Uh, if anyone fast forwards the whole thing, if you are one of those people, just, just like the show for us. Just give us a, a review. We'd appreciate that. But let's bounce on over uh, to the Asian Tour. Um, you know, now the controversial, well, I guess always the controversial, now the non-European Tour uh, event that we see the likes of, you know, some of the best players in the world teeing up. This now kicks off. Even better, right? Even better now. Yeah. They, they kicks off the 2022-2023 Asian Tour season that just had wrapped up um, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, if you look at kind of the top of the odds board, you know, DJ, who two-time winner here, second place finished the other time, Xander, Hatton, Cam Smith, Sergio, Bryce, Paul Casey, all under 20 to 1, Tony Finau, where Tony should have won this event. Uh, arguably last time out, um, it, it, you know, really should have won the event. You'll talk about that guy a little bit later on. Um, Thomas Peters, 20 to one, you know, this, this field is littered leash fleet would answer, you know, a, a ton of talent going over mixing in with the DP world tour best, some of the best and with the Asian tour best, they had their order of merit at the top of these guys got in there. And then they do have um, some additional invitations into this event too. Um, so I have a handful of selections. I think we have to start off this again. We're recording this at two thirty on uh, you know Monday afternoon. Joaquin Neiman had opened at forty to one. No brain. You know we were all over Neiman, who quickly has been repriced into the twenties. Um, we're seeing him as short as twenty-two to one. If you were one of the lucky souls that got the forties, you know, good game to you. That's, that's a great bet. Uh, all aboard that. We would have loved to, to ride that off with everybody. But at this point, a little tough to talk is that price has been cut in half. So, Tom, who would you like to kick off the discussion about in Saudi? Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that price for Wacky Neiman lasted a lot longer than, than I expected as well, right? Like, especially with 365, it stayed there for a long time. But um, perhaps uh, slightly worryingly, I want to stick with Kevin Nahr after his uh, efforts last year. That's the one, um, yeah. 
it was tough, right? Like he was right there after two rounds. I think I can't remember it was, if it was was he fourth after two rounds. I think he was. Great and yeah. you know this place is surrounded by sand, but he found the most penal part of it on every single hole, and he just constantly just found bunkers, and then he would just chop it. But he shot sixty three in round two. Like I'd said, I, I had a very two-prong attack last year. It was Kevin Nart and Justin Rose, and they were 66 to 1, both of them. And I was like, how are these two people this price? And, and after two rounds, I was like, well, you know, genius. Like, fourth and 14th, they're currently sitting. Um, you know, Justin Rose came on in, in the third round as well, in the fourth round. Uh, Kevin Nart did not. But he has just been superb. Like, he is... You know, he he's this price in a PGA Tour event. It is basically a PGA Tour event at the top of the board, right? But you can cut out half the field, whereas you can't do that in the PGA Tour. Like, after we get past 100 to 1, are any of them really going to win it? Like, I know we've got a couple of guys that we like and, and people that we want to talk about, but the winning upside isn't there for basically anybody else below 100 to 1 mark. Yeah, it's it's a different ball game, um, you know, playing places, you know, when we have this type of the field, but um, those places are still triple the odds of, of a good amount of Correct. those guys. The yeah. one, I didn't have the stomach to do it, but Tommy Fleetwood's approach game last week was back to insane like peak Tommy last. So, but 28, I just, I just couldn't do it when you see this field. When he was 28 in, I mean, I guess that field was probably similar. Uh, no, but I, but I don't think it is right because it's interesting you say that because I know Morikawa and Rory were there, but that was Anhattan was there. But this is DJ Xander, Cameron Smith. Like Cameron Smith is like taking his game to a new level. I don't think Bryson's right, but Bryson's here. Tony Finau's here. Paul Casey's here after a decent week. Like Thomas Peters is just one. Mark Leishman. It's so deep in that kind of range. Jason Kokrat's a different golfer than he was if he had been here last year. Like, so it, it, I think it actually is a strong event, and it feels like he is too short a price. Yeah, I, I just couldn't couldn't stomach it. Um, the one though, um, I think that I, I just again maybe we're, we're falling fault to looking at these guys in social media is of course in addition to, to the statistics but sneakily sam horsefield had like a really yeah. really really good eight eight rounds to start the season you know i guess maybe seven because saturday this past week was bad uh, uh bad enough that you know if he would have simply kind of should have found himself more in the mix and that's that's horsefield you know that's, yeah. that's what he's done you know, many of times. Um, so I think overall, just, you know, knowing he has that in, you know, his bag of tricks, unfortunately, um, you know, ends up kind of giving us a number that I think still got some juice in there. I mean, the guy sky high talent, we know, but I just feel so good coming out of those two events seems to have really high confidence. I think he can win, you know, a big, big event, and this could be the one. So um, I, I'm definitely in on him taking that momentum. I've had a hard time with him, right? Like I look at it and I go, like, he's basically being given credit for something that's irrelevant. Like he's being he's being priced at forty to one because it's it's not it's an Asian tour event, but it's like made up of a lot of DB World Tour players, right? 
how can how would he be priced in a PJ Tour event? And would he be next to Jason Kovac? I mean, we see it with Minwoo Lee this week. Minwoo yeah. 80. He was 80 in, in some yeah. of the American sports books, probably closer to like 40 to 50. But yeah, you'd think Horsefield would probably be double the price he is right now. But that, that that's what concerns me. And, and, I, and I, I am completely on board with what you say. Like, I think the the spectrum for his results is win, it's miscut, and there's somewhere in between as well with him, right? And I think that there is absolute merit to take him on. I just think that I just couldn't understand the price. Like, like it's, it was especially alarming when Neiman was the same price this morning. Like, I was like, you've got yes. Neiman, Nar, Kokrak, Patrick Reed. Like, I don't, I don't really want to back Patrick Reed at the moment, but Abraham Ants is only thirty-three to one. Like, it felt like there was a lot of guys around him that were too good to be priced in the same bracket. But with that said, if if you believe he can win, um, you know, why not? Yeah, I, th- I think that's more where I mean, I think both of the selections for for me, uh, you know, kind of right around here are just you, you put your foot down on the golfer versus maybe the number in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I think, and that's that's. I mean, we're both going to talk about it, but if you want to say similar to uh, Ju Young Kim, uh, I think it's now our our time to to really discuss what he can do with this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, look, I. I... I was curious as to whether you were going to go with him again. I, I was speaking to a couple of people earlier saying, like, is it a Juyong Kim week? Are we going to get on him? Hoping for a little bit of a bigger price. Um, a little bit like a, a Takumi Kanaya type thing that you kind of almost want to be on, you know, a bit of a FOMO bet, I think, because realistically, when you look at what he's done, like 49th at the CJ Cup when he's been in this field, 33rd at the Corrales, like he did that 15th at Puerto Rico, but that's a lot weaker field than this. So, when he's been making a step up, he hasn't quite done it yet. But just the current form is ridiculous. Like second, second, seventh, first, second. Like, I don't care where you're playing. And these aren't like small events for the Asian Tour. These are big, you know, top top Asian Tour events. This is why he's 80th in the world. Like, there is merit to it. And I don't think he's scared of anyone. I don't think, I don't think he's like the type that's going to get intimidated. Um, it's just whether he still stands out when all these guys are here. Yep. Yeah. And that's yeah. Again, it's almost it's the the FOMO type of like I'm effectively is, contradicting what I just said about Sam Horsfield, right? Like he yeah, probably shouldn't be in this pressure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but no, I, I just still the, the sky high upside around. I mean, yeah, you can I mean you're you're surrounding him with, you know, PGA tour winners. You know, I, I did almost want to go back to Westy. Um, yeah. <laughs> that one I think would sting a little bit, um, but he would probably be the the next golfer for me. And we saw Victor Perez play well here, you know, uh, in the past. You know, Vegas, uh, you know, doing well. To your point about your selection last year, um, but you you can probably get very lost with the names in an event that we don't normally get. And next thing you know, you know, you're running up a tab of a good amount of selections and, and that's where I'm trying to kind of put my foot down. I could have literally bet like six guys this range. Like yeah. I really liked Matthew Walk. I just wrote him down and, and there was no substance to it. Like when I looked at his T screen numbers recently, I, I had to kind of step away. Like I was like, no, yeah. this is not good. When I looked at Westwood, his course form he's been here three times, missed the cut twice, fiftieth and the other. So 
as much as I think he can do anything at any time, like I was happy enough to pass him up after last week's disappointment. Um, Bubba Watson interests me when he was like yeah. 125 to one. Like he's now AEC, so it's a lot easier decision. But I don't know what he's been doing. Um, you know, well, selling books, I think he's been his thing at the moment. Um, running a sweet shop as well. So I think he's taken his eye off the ball a little bit. And I don't think you can just come out and beat Dustin Johnson, Xander, Tyrrell Hatton, Cameron Smith, Sergio, Finau, all of those when you've not been quite at it. So I will pass him up, but he was probably one of the names that if he won, I'd be like, well, why does back Bob Watson a non-major 100 spot? Yeah. Um, Ashen Wu played decent for us last week. You know, didn't end, really, yeah. Yeah, didn't really sniff any sort of, a, you know, a place. But, you know, if he can continue rolling it, um, you know, it's ended up being do you select the guys that are in ripe form on the Asian tour, you know, Bio Kim, uh, very famous for hmm. throwing up the finger. Um, Bio Kim there, who, who was probably the second or third best, probably the third uh, best player um, on the Asian tour this past year. You know, I, I really can't get into too deep of the pronunciations, um, but I know Saddam Kawakanjana uh, was, was really strong. That's pretty good. Uh, for, Thank you, thank you. Uh, for for a good portion of the year, like just top five to top five to top. Like this would be a perfect DraftKings week if you had these because you get to play these guys like in the sevens. That I, I would love to. I mean, Sharma's two hundred to one. Um, the one golfer that I had to hold back from betting is probably the number one upside amateur in the world. Which, if you talked about pronunciation earlier. Rachanan Chan Tana one what? Oh, yeah. I think I added I that, added an extra one and on I like but, it. This is um, great. 14 years old, just oh, playing unbelievable. I mean, if anyone watched the Singapore event, uh played with and kind of waxed Casey on that Casey, first yeah. day. Um, like it was absolutely nothing, you know, third uh place uh, at that event, a third the week before he had another second place finish. Um, you know, he he's had some elite. Uh, finishes already in his career again 14 years old um, you know so I think he's one to keep an eye out on I mean even the odds weren't that bad potentially for a place um, he's, he's almost too young to be afraid do you know what I mean yeah. by that like like if you're 16 17 18 and you're like right this is it I've got to make my jump I've got to test myself against Dustin Johnson this week he's like he doesn't care He's just yeah. going to turn up at a golf tournament, just play it, and then go home and play the PlayStation or whatever. Like he doesn't, he doesn't care. Like, yep. And and he's so good at golf. Like Paul Casey was literally sitting there going, like, this guy destroyed me today. Like all I have done all day is try and keep up with him. And you're not going to get these prices about Ratchnon. I'm going to call him for long. Like, yeah. Which is ridiculous. He's 14 years of age. Like for sure. Um, it's going to be too much for him, right? Which is obviously why I think you've you've kind of kept him off. But I wouldn't mind a little top twenty or you know, yeah, whatever. Like, I think that's fine. Well, you got one one FOMO selection that you got deep down the board that you had to get a piece of. Who was that? Matteo Manassero is five hundred to one with Unibet, right? And yes, I know Matteo Manassero is not Matteo Manassero anymore. But we we let ourselves get excited last year. Um, with the kind of comeback to form. And when I looked back into the kind of previous starts, he shot 66 round one hit uh, back on his debut, which 
it's not enough. Like, it isn't enough to go go and really back in too strongly. But his last three events uh, on the Challenge Tour, 28th, 3rd, 8th, didn't do well in Joburg, but he never he never played well there. Like, it wasn't like a COVID situation. It wasn't, he's just never done it well, even in his peak, right? So I think he's on his way back. I hope he's on his way back. And if he's 500 to one to finish in the top six, then fine. Like, I will just have a go and hope that he shoots 66 and I get really excited on the first day. Um, yep. He won't win. But again, like, even like JC Ritchie's down here, like, finals one that just absolutely tonks the ball off the tee again, like another one. But yeah, it's just one of those events where you could just spend time in this range backing absolute losers. Like, people that just cannot win because they're five times the price they are. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one from from my <laughs> end, and it's it's simply because you know you, you have a sponsor on the show, Tour Tips, um, who, who does a great job of kind of especially when it comes to these type of statistic you know forms yeah. of golfers. They have the Asian Tour statistics built into there. Um, so if we looked into Doi Moon, um, he had a fifth at, at Singapore. He had a 16th the week before, but statistically really showing some trends. I know Jamie Worsley was on him um, when he placed at the Singapore Open. Jamie's dialed in, him and Brad both love um, and do well on this tour. Um, so he seemed like somebody just right down the board, if I'm just doing my statistical analysis, kind of stood out um, with enough juice in that number. Um, so that for me really wraps it up. I'm excited for, you know, a huge plethora of, of events across the world. All five Corn Ferry Tours in action again at Panama LPGA right down the road from me. I'm hoping to get out there this week. Um, but yeah, a lot of good golf. Um, so I think with that, let's wrap up and let's start with DP World Tour picks. Yeah. So in the DP World, uh, I've got Adrian Moronk. I think he's about 25, 28 to 1 now. Um, then I had, who did I have again? That was next. Um, so blank. you would have went into Armitage. Armitage, yeah, at uh, 55 to 1. Then it was Julian Brun at 60 to 1. Um, and then it was Frederick LaCroix at 125 to 1 for me in the DP World. Yep. Um, so for me, I am starting with Julian Brun, 60s, Padre Harrington, 60 to 1, Daniel Van Tonder, 110 to 1, Guido Migliazzi, 125, Yannick. Paul, Outlaw Tour Legend, 125. And then Tom and I are both on the kid, Tom McKibben, uh, at 400 to 1. Um, and then in Saudi, picks in Saudi. Yeah, so, I mean, I really want Joaquin Neiman. Um, you know, I did bet the yeah. 40s. It's not there, right? But he, he was the guy that I think will win the golf tournament. That was my pick. Uh, Kevin Nahr, 33 to 1. I'm going to do it to myself again. Ju Young Kim to completely contradict everything I said about your uh, Sam Horsfield pick. And then the FOMO bet of the week is Matteo Manassero. There's some 500 to 1 about him. Uh, do not bet at 150 to 1 or 201 because you think I'm confident in him. He shot a 66 here once and I'll get a better. There you go. There we go. I'll go Sam Horsfield, 45. Of course, yeah, Neiman, bright and early was the 40s. So Neiman, 40. Sam Horsfield, 45. Ju Young, Tom, Choo Choo, Kim, 50 to 1. <laughs> and then Doi Moon at 300 to 1. That puts a bow on our show for the week. Again, two events. It was fun kind of previewing both. Excited for it. Uh, feel free to reach out to both of us on Twitter. Tom, where can they find you? Yes, Tom Jacobs, 93 on Twitter. Perfect. And I am Skyhook DFS. Thank you guys for listening to another great week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets.